0: to do a cold open this time <laughs> <laughs> we could probably not do it this time if it wasn't for oscar noms but we yeah, should we should talk it's that time least. of
1: year it is the time later of year. than usual but yes that time of year this year
0: yeah because a gas leak year right. it's a little bit later but yeah i think we we kind of talked about it in terms of like the biggest snubs for you which i would agree would be all the one night in miami ones
1: yeah, I mean, it, it got some attention, which I appreciate, yeah. you know, I was a little worried it could get, like, totally shut out, mm-hmm. but, you know, it would have been nice to see it, uh, see Regina King get a director nom, 100%. and the movie itself get a Best Picture nom, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's also hard to represent four actors sharing very similar amounts of screen yes. time and weight, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a pool like that, so it's like, I understand, but, like, we could have gotten two of them at least up there, probably. It, we it, got one. We it, got it probably would have uh, been Leslie Odom Jr.
0: Yeah, it would have probably been Ben Kings Kingsley Benadire. Yeah, Kingsley Benadire. That's yeah, right. As and was. Leslie Odom. And I felt like it makes sense that it's Leslie Odom because he was. He seems like he has been the front runner in terms of nominations, acting yeah, wise. Yeah. Because um.
1: Well, and he's got the kind of the two pronged assault in that movie. He's an actor. He's also doing a really great musical impression of Sam Cooke. Yeah. In addition to a good acting performance.
0: Yeah, and, and he's, you know, Aaron Burr from Hamilton. So right, right, good. everybody already loves him. Yeah, everybody loves him, uh, which is hilarious because at the same time, he's also in See is Music. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I don't think he got a Razzie for, thankfully, <laughs> but it's funny that, like, at the same time in the Golden Globes, when he was nominated for One Night, uh, Music was nominated for, yeah. like, uh, it was the best musical, comedy yeah. musical. Yeah. Speaking Which of is... speaking of Razzie
1: nominations, <clears throat> Glenn Close got nominated for best actor and a Razzie for Worst Actor. Yes. She in the did. same year. We'll see <clears throat> if she can she can <laughs> win either or both.
0: If she wins the Oscar, that is going to be one of the most green book decisions. Oh, yeah, it's a green book pick. Because she, no 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 other category has Hillbilly Elegy in there. Yeah, so it's, it's arguably weird.
1: Wo- much worse than a green book pick. Um, uh,
0: it is, because like, the one time they could have given her an Oscar went to Olivia Colman for, yeah. the, for the favorite. And while I heard Glenn Close was phenomenal in that film that year, the name escapes me, but I can see it in my mind's eye. It was the same year that the favorite had come out. Uh, uh, yeah, but yeah. like it was one of those films where like no one really saw it in terms of like mainstream like that was right. like one of those films where it's like, what is this film? Yeah but like apparently any critics who saw it loved it in terms of like her performance. and then this one just feels like they're putting it in there because it's like, we're sorry, you <laughs> didn't win last time. yeah and it's like you don't need to give her the r- don't give it to her for mama. Yeah. Don't do that. You could have literally nominated her from 101 Dalmatians from 20 <laughs> years ago, and I would have been like, that's still better than her hillbilly elegy. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Virginia King, not getting a director nod, was truly just not okay. Yeah. That, that it, being uh, said,
1: um, I had it pointed out to me earlier. Um, I was on the, the Film Yeps video discussion of the, the Oscar noms. Oh, nice. Uh, which went up Monday. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you can hear us talk more there, but Christopher Lloyd of the film, pointed out that uh, uh, Emerald Fennel, mm-hmm. the director of Promising Young Woman, is the first woman director uh, to get nominated for Best Director in her debut. Oh, um, nice. So if, if Regina King had done that, we would have gotten two and one. That would have been cool. Um, so it's like at least, you know, yeah. there is that. Which... <laughs> and she deserves that. Emerald Fennell, for sure. Fennell definitely deserves that. All the
0: Promising that. Young Woman love was surprising. Yeah. In all honesty, reading through it and being like, oh, thank God Minari's not in foreign language. Oh, that yeah. was where I was like, good for good that. I feel like they film.
1: knew they were in hot water with that one. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's like, why? It's it's produced by an American company. Yes, there is Korean in it, but it is made, it is an American film yeah. through and through. And that's someone who's only seen the trailer, but it's pretty clear in the trailer. It is a coming of age America story. Yeah. And it's like, it's silly to put it in foreign language like the Golden Globes did, and I'm glad they didn't. Yeah.
1: Well, and the other, the other flub that has been widely talked about is the uh, both actors from Judas and the Black Messiah being nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Both Lakeith Stanfield and uh, Daniel Kaluuya. It's such a weird... It's, it's like g- one of them has to be yeah. the lead.
0: <laughs> they definitely, definitely do that because they're in this weird vibe of like... They're kind of in the same film. They're kind of in the film in the same amount of time. Which one's considered the lead? Because, like, to me, I would sure. say, to me, I would just say, they're both leads in the film. Yeah. Like, the same with one that nine. That makes more yeah. sense
1: than saying they're both supporting. Yeah. Because like then it, it's like, well, then where's your lead?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, like, we're we'll putting Leslie Odom in, like, best supporting actor. I'm like, Sam Cook has a bigger role in that film than, like, I believe Cassius and uh, Jim Brown does. Yeah. In terms I, of screen yeah. time. And I it's could like, say you, could, you could, could put him in lead yeah. if you wanted to.
1: That said, I would say he would make sense as a supporting nom in contrast to, like, Malcolm X, uh, Kingsley Benadier as, yeah. like, mm-hmm. a lead nom. But, yeah. of course, he didn't get nominated, so it's like, okay, well.
0: <laughs> I mean, it was, it was I think the only category that I think is the funniest category because it's like, oh, that's right, this is a year, or 2020 was the year with very little effects-heavy films, oh. is the Best Visual Effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's films that I wouldn't like no one expected Love and Monsters to be nominated <laughs> right. I, I've heard it's a fun movie but yeah. no one I, I bet if you asked Michael Rooker do you think this will get a nomination for the Oscars he yeah. would probably laugh right you'd well, be it's... like what are you talking about <laughs> there's no way they're gonna is that and it's like oh that's my god Mulan cat- yeah. Mulan is the funniest one yeah it's that's like, just awful you just had to have a Disney pick and you picked had the one to. that has really rough visual yeah. effects that phoenix does not look real in any scene yeah. <laughs> I can't, did, did Sonic
1: get nominated? No. It did not. If that, it did. That's, that's like the meme outrage, uh, I think, probably. If it did,
0: I would have loved it if it won. <laughs> would have been the funniest thing. But yeah, no. It is, I mean, I just read it and I was like, oh, 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 oh. I mean, it's one it's of those things that's. Overall,
1: works. fairly, you know, a decent yeah. spread and not super surprising in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but, you know, a few gems in there and a few disappointing snubs. A fairly, fairly average year for the yeah. Academy.
0: <laughs> I feel like there's too much love for Trial of Chicago Seven. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, to, to preface that, I like the Trial of Chicago Seven, but I also think it's the weakest Sorkin film we've gotten. Yeah, I enjoyed it, and but it was
1: definitely just like it does yeah. not belong here with these it, other films. It belongs
0: in the '90s. Yeah. <laughs> it's how it, it feels like written wise. It feels like it's writing in a weird, like it feels like. Because there are a lot of people, it kind of reminded me of like how people responded to Catherine Bigelow's Detroit, mm-hmm. where it was like, I don't think I think this is a little too late in terms of like what you're trying to talk yeah. about. And watching this, it's like, no, this is the type of film that I feel like is a little too late on what it's trying to do. <laughs> yeah, like there's some good moments in trial, but I feel like it doesn't have a a profound impact that it wants to have. Yeah,
1: and it kind of just feels like a lot of sorkin's movies get this criticism but this one more than most kind of feels just like an extended excuse for sorkin to write you know punchy monologues and you know quippy moments into a you know significant moment in history and it's just like this is weird and
0: i don't like it yeah and it's also (laughs) i did enjoy the movie but oh for sure i mean cast is really good yeah um uh, did uh, did Mark Rylance get nominated for Best Supporting Actor? So. He he's honestly my favorite performance in Chicago yeah. Seven, but <clears throat> it is what it is. But yeah, um, I
1: I don't have a lot of other thoughts. I, uh, I oh I was a little bit surprised. I mean, I guess not really surprised, but I found it a little weird how hmm. just how much press and conversation last year. Um, I'm thinking <coughs> of ending things. Got and then yeah it, nothing.
0: Yeah, that's weird too. I don't it's,
1: I would have thought it'd get like a throwaway, you know, screenplay nomination. I get that it's a weird movie. Charlie Kaufman's, you know, not a favorite of the Academy a lot of the time. No, he's but like I would have thought they would have thrown that mm-hmm. or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, one of the Jessies would get a nomination or something, but maybe it was just nobody saw it. I don't know.
0: I could see it in a way where it's like we already have a Netflix film in Best Picture. <sighs> we got two Netflix yeah, it's, films in Best yeah. Pictures like, and we can't have it's another. Political. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like as Diplomatic. much as as much as I personally enjoyed Mank, you could replace Mank with them thinking of ending things. If yeah. if for some reason they're too scared to take out trial Chicago seven.
1: <laughs> That's their heavy hitter.
0: Yeah. But uh Anyway. Uh, we're, we're talking about the Oscar nominations because it's you know, one of the biggest things that happened this week. And also, it keeps us from talking about the two films today we're going <laughs> to talk about. Hello, everyone. I'm Logan Soash.
1: And I'm Andy Carr. And we're prolonging the inevitable on yes. Odd Trilogies.
0: With Logan and Andy. And on, and on Odd Trilogies, with Logan and Andy, we take a trio of films and we talk about the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding them. And today it's the day. It is March... It is the week that the Snyder Cut comes out on HBO Max, Mm -hmm. so why not, in honor, (laughs) we are going to finish off Snyder's filmography with the latest trilogy, which we call Zack Snyder's DCEU Trilogy. Mm -hmm. In case you don't know, DCEU stands for DC Comics Extended Universe, it is... A official name. It is an unofficial name. Actually, I think Warner Brothers hates that name.
1: Right, but, but people, that is yeah, yeah. People started calling it that, kind of to make it you know a response to you know the MCU has
0: a name because so. that's why we're getting all these yep, films. Yep. <laughs> so, in case you don't know, around this, about a few years after you know. It's actually a year. I it's astounding. A year after the Avengers. Oh yeah. A year after the Avengers, DC has basically its answer to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Avengers is like it's is it the fifth or sixth film in the MCU? I'm trying to get my count it would right. Would have been six? One, two, three, four, five. I think it no five, been, five.
1: But, yeah, because yeah,
0: yes. And it's like and with that. You know, it comes out, it's a heavy hitter of a movie. You know, people are falling in love with that cinematic universe. And that film starts a wave. Similar to when the last Harry Potter film was split into two films and that started a wave. It starts a wave in the industry that leads to, in the very next year, the start of DC's answer to that. Which is what we're going to be talking about today. We are going to be talking about the first two Snyder films that are in the DC Extended Universe, and that is 2013's Man of Steel and 2016's Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Ultimate edition. Yep. Because at this point in time, we are now in a place where, especially as a society, which we will see in <laughs> Which Knight we do System, live in. We live in a society, according to uh, Laird's, uh, Leto's Joker. Yeah. Uh, we live in a society that... Just loves director's cuts and loves using that, especially studios love using that to get a little bit more extra money out of it. And mm-hmm. knowing Snyder, Snyder wanting hours and hours long films that he can just make then have no restrictions, we're going to be talking about the extended edition, or the ultimate cut. And also kind of in the spirit of, you know, the Snyder
1: cut of Justice League. Of course. Because, you know, if we're going to be talking about Snyder's Justice League, mm-hmm. then let's talk about his quote-unquote, perfect vision for the other films, too. So, including the ultimate cut, or ultimate edition of BVS.
0: So, yes. Zack Snyder is to DC what producer Kevin Feige is to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, (laughs) and it is astounding to see that in terms of the beginning of the DC Extended Universe with Man of Steel. Now, to preface this, this is, I think, if I do my math correctly... This is about six to seven years after the last Superman film we got, which is Brian Singer's Superman Returns. Yeah. Which is a film that is, um, if you told someone that it is a response and an homage to Richard Donner's Superman, I think most people would go, yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that is a film that I personally would say isn't awful, but it is un- uh, like obnoxiously boring at times, yeah. which sucks because they have a great Superman they have before we knew Me Too wise a good Lex Luthor and had a a decent premise and it just kind of fell flat for people.
1: Yeah, it and, kind of failed to make a splash culturally. Yeah. I think a lot of people, especially in the mm-hmm. the world we live in of, you know, cinematic universes and massive yeah. franchises, it just kind of felt like a wet fart. Just like yeah. a random Superman movie out of nowhere that's not really tied to anything
0: Yeah, it's 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 supposed way. to be yeah. kind of tied to the, the Donner universe but not really. Right. And it's like at the same time it showed from that point forward that studios just don't really know what to do with Superman. Yeah. And it comes down to when it when it gets closer to the MCU is gaining attention, DC thought it'd be a great idea to start off their cinematic universe with a Superman film, which I believe initially was Warner Brothers asking Nolan to do that after he was done with Dark Knight, and Nolan said no, because he just he is doing three Batman films almost not even back to back. He is doing three Batman films with I think two films in between. Yeah, so he's like so it's like it's Batman Begins, Prestige, Dark Knight, uh, Inception, and then Dark Knight Rises, and so it's like he's doing these films and he's like I just want to do my own thing. You've, I've done my good graces. You know I can get people to the seats. I don't want to do another superhero film. He's just not interested. Yeah. So Nolan decides I know a guy that I think would be good for the job, and this is true. Nolan asked specifically for Zack Snyder. Yeah. And this is hot, hot off the heels, I believe, of Watchmen. He's probably in production that, that of Sucker had Punch. To be it. Yeah. Watchmen had to be the one. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably in production for Sucker Punch as this deal is happening, and. Two years after Sucker Punch comes out, Snyder's intro to the DC and Extended Universe comes out. And it is a wild, extremely bizarre Superman film through and through. I don't know if I could say that this film is awful... But if I say it's good, I kind of get shivers because I think of all the weird shit that's in this Yeah, film. I, I definitely... It's fine. He he has made worse movies. He has. The DC franchise oh. has produced worse movies. Sucker Punch is a, he's right before <laughs> um, this and that's worse than this. It's definitely not,
1: I don't think, a terrible movie. I think no. there is an argument out there that it is it is a terrible portrayal of Superman... Uh, Yes, which we will something I might subscribe to myself. One hundred percent. But I think really, it's just it's it's a mess. Is kind of what it is. Mm -hmm. It's it's a movie that's confused and at odds with
0: itself. Yeah, it's it it very much feels like, and this is we're going to talk about this in Batman v Superman as well because it has the same vibe too. It just has the vibe that whoever is writing the script, or, or it also could just be Snyder directing. Whoever has the main feel and vibe overall of how the film is supposed to go, it just feels like no one is interested to tell a good Superman story or do the character yeah, it's, justice. It's kind
1: of, there. It there's an air to this movie of, like, a fear of doing a classic Superman. Yeah. Because... Oh, the world's moved past that. Oh, Superman's boring. Oh, Which we can't just, we can't do Superman the normal way. We gotta we gotta pervert him.
0: It's in a just way. so weird to hear that too, because it's like we're now at a point too where it's like those the Donner films are dated a hundred percent. It's it is right. what it is. They they were made in the seventies and eighties. It happens, right. but at the same time. That first Richard Donner Superman is still considered to a lot of people one of the best superhero films of all time because even with its dated tech, even with some silly ideas yeah. in the first film, it does Superman so well and gets the appeal of that character in that era. And in all honesty, that that appeal hasn't really changed that much in 40-plus years. Yeah, It just doesn't seem like people are interested to give it the time it needs, or the development. It's just so I weird. I think it's
1: just one of those things where, you know, you you have a relatively square character like mm-hmm. Superman, a kind of, a Boy Scout of sorts, you know, a guy who is almost always optimistic, or at least exudes yeah. optimism. Um, and, you know, people see that as, it's easy to see that as an overly simplistic character, or a one-note character, yeah. or a, you know, boring, been-there-done-that character. So, like, I kind of get the need or the compulsion to do something different, but I don't think you have to sacrifice what makes the character unique or what makes the character iconic, yeah, f- in order to tell a different kind of story with that character, especially when you're trying to build the foundation for a franchise. For sure, it's like, why are we getting experimental with Superman if we're trying to lay the groundwork for like the quintessential DC franchise,
0: yeah. <laughs> I think what's so crazy is with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which, in case you haven't known yet, we both love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We both love it. We don't think it's perfect at all, but we really enjoy what they're doing in those films, and I think the films get it right, where the superheroes in those films are not gods. They're not monsters. They're at their best. They're flawed people, Yeah, and that's what makes them so interesting is they're flawed people just like us. They just so happen to throw a shield in a cool way right. or have a billion dollars to make a suit but all those things are kind of tertiary to the fact that there is a relatable aspect to what they're dealing with outside of the suit as yeah. well as being heroes and it's the same with DC- it's it's the same with any superhero regardless of what who writes yeah, it yeah that
1: is ultimately the appeal of any superhuman is yeah. the human part of it but is not the, you know the... but
0: not to Snyder no, that's the weirdest thing about these films because I think with Man of Steel, it introduces the idea of what if this world saw superheroes and villains as gods and demons? It's devils. It's devils and monsters versus angels and gods. Yeah, it's like in in Donner Superman, they do such a beautiful job, and it's just like distilling the idea of Superman down to he is a he is a godlike person who was brought up in a humble household and was taught to taught about responsibility and the fact that he is powerful but he cannot stop or save. He cannot stop everything and he cannot save everyone. Yeah. And that is such a crucial thing to know as a person, especially with Superman where it's like even though he knows that he is going to fail at times, he still gets up and goes for it every time. <laughs> and that's what's so important yeah. about that character. But then you get to Man of Steel, and Man of Steel constantly instills into this into Superman that not only is he a alien, he is a god, and it's yeah. scary because you don't want people because people are going to hate you because you're a god, but also they'll worship you because you're a <laughs> god. So you gotta you gotta not do things, you gotta hold back, and it's really okay. I mean, you can yeah. do that. It, yeah,
1: well, it's the 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 kind of the mythological scope and nature of these characters is something that DC has always the comics have always leaned into a lot yeah. more so than like Marvel or any of the other uh, comic publishers who are more focused on the human side DC has kind of always emphasized these people's I don't want to say status but you know their their level of power and responsibility above that of their fellow man and oh, the, yeah, the, for sure. the, what things they're capable of and I think you know, to a certain degree, I admire a movie that really wants to not only showcase that, but kind of ask questions about it and ask, you know, challenge this idea of like, oh, are these really gods among us? And if so, are is that a good thing? Mm-hmm. But it just it, something gets lost in the sauce when Snyder tackles that subject, yeah. because it's like he's just trying to fuse every possible bit of symbolism or allegory in there even if it doesn't work with the actual content that's playing out on screen or it doesn't work with a different piece of symbolism that he's shoving in elsewhere and so it's just this he's constantly trying to create meaning in a really superficial way um by by kind of intertextually referring to other things like the bible or you know Mm -hmm. uh, mythological imagery and that sort of thing and it's just Focus on the story you're trying to tell. Yeah. And then worry about maybe how it parallels to something else.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, it's 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 just very weird with this film that the two biggest things that get symbolized and have metaphors and imagery of constantly are Christ and 9-11 <laughs> are two of the biggest, are the biggest things because every time Superman almost has a time to be Superman, they shove in some Christ imagery, which... I'm not saying Superman and Christ imagery can't go hand in hand. It's very obvious. It's been done before, but it can also be done subtly, which it isn't in this film. He literally at one point goes from a spaceship into space, and he puts his arms out like Jesus on the cross, and it's, like, really weird. And it's, like, there's also a shot in a church where Jesus is behind him in a stained glass window the entire time, and it is the most blatant thing <laughs> it's yeah. the most blatant symbolism i've he's seen He's literally
1: saying uh he's like he has a line of basically well maybe i should sacrifice myself to save everyone and in yeah. the background you see stained glass jesus
0: like, okay. and, and then you're like this can't get any more obnoxious until they transition into the attack on metropolis uh. where you just get a lot of odd 9-11 imagery yeah, Put together with supposed to be very fun action sequence stuff. Yeah, it, it like becomes
1: this is kind of what I'm getting at when I say it's very much at odds with itself. Yes. Because it wants to be a fun superhero action movie with all sorts of punching and explosions, but it also thinks or it pretends that it wants to be something more challenging and scary about the implications of mm-hmm. these heroes and these godlike beings but then it's like at the end of the day these guys are punching each other through buildings and killing millions of people. Yeah. Is he Jesus or is Jesus a monster? Is he's... that what you're trying to say? No, or No, he's not. <laughs> Jesus did G- 9/11? I don't yeah.
0: know. No. <laughs> God, I would if that was if if, if There's just... there's my 9/11 joke for the episode. If Snyder had just outright said that's Jesus did 9 11. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. I would just lose my mind. <laughs> I would be like, "There's no way he's being honest." I think mean, no one would ever believe him if he meant that. But yeah. that's not. That's the thing. that's so we talked about this in our Sucker Punch episode, where it's like um, Sucker Punch is a like is a predecessor to a lot of the overcomplication and tone deaf nature to a lot of what will permeate Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, yeah. which is like in Man of Steel, the story beats make perfect sense to a degree, where it's like, the main villain is Zod. Zod is a general who is completely into war and trying to make sure Krypton is safe and fine. And then Krypton explodes, so what does he do? If he has any chance to bring Krypton back, he will literally destroy Earth to bring it back. But it's like, in this film, it's like, oh, how does he bring Krypton back well, you see, there's like this Kryptonian like monkey skull. It's like prehistoric. It mm-hmm. has like the data codex of the like codex. it has of all the Kryptonian babies that were going to be born. But Russell Crowe, who plays Kal El, Superman's dad, or Jor-El. no Doral, thank Jor-El. you, Kal els Superman, uh, puts the codex into Superman. So Superman is basically all of Krypton in case you needed <laughs> more of that beat over the head. Like he is the last savior Krypton yeah. type shit, and it's this. And it's like, you didn't have to do all of this. Like, it's so weird that the first, like, 20 to 25 minutes of this film, it is a Krypton adventure with Jor-El. And it has nothing to do with the fact that Krypton is going to explode. And then once that is over, Krypton's, Krypton explodes. It's like, oh, by the way, yeah, we, we, we kind of need to throw this in here, too. Krypton's dead. Yeah. And it's like, why isn't this the only thing we do? Like in again, I, it's going to happen a lot in Donner's Superman. Donner Superman literally opens up with uh, Zod and his compatriots getting thrown into the Phantom Zone yeah. immediately, and then they go into all the Krypton stuff in like less than ten minutes, <laughs> and then there it is. In Snyder's version, we really needed to see Jarell and his pet space pterodactyl it, right. and swimming into like the baby goo They had to go and, do
1: Avatar uh, stuff.
0: I guess. Yeah. I guess they had the money. And then when we get to Earth, when we finally get to get to Superman stuff, another common issue with these films, and also with Whedon's cut of the Justice League, which we'll talk about in the next episode, is that Superman is just not compelling. If it's a team up film and you can't make him compelling, you there's an excuse where it's like you're putting all your time into Batman or Wonder Woman or whatnot. But this is Superman's film, and not only is it Superman's film, this is the first time we're seeing this type of Superman. And this type of Superman is all over the place. Yeah. And personality-wise, morally, it is so weird to see, like, the Boy Scout be drenched in blue, sad all the time. Doesn't (laughs) seem to, like, have any real – like, he has a decent bone in his body, but we don't get enough time to see him be that decent. Yeah. Like, it's so weird. It
1: kind of feels like – He's just he's just constantly burdened by the concept that he may one day, you know, be responsible for protecting a lot of people, and it's like I don't know. It kind of sta- it starts when he's a kid and his father, Jonathan Kent.
0: Yeah, it's, Kevin it's, Costner. Yeah, it's Ma. And pa Ma, Kent. And pa Kent. Pa, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's John. Pa, it's John Kent, Kent. I think
1: Pa Kent kind of instills in him this notion that he has to sort of hide himself from the world because the world would respond negatively to a person like superman which
0: which is another issue with this film is that <laughs> there are issue there are ideas like that that i think are good ideas that it could is an be interesting executed. concept yeah, but, but they... then
1: it's then then 30 years of or you know 15 20 years of superman's life goes by and he hasn't progressed in that line of thinking at all or he hasn't he hasn't done no. anything about it he One second, he's 15, and he saves his friends from drowning in a school bus, and his dad tells him, maybe you shouldn't have done that, because now people are going to hate you. And then, 20 years later, he's like, I don't know if I can be Superman, because people might hate me. And it's like, I get, you know, I don't know. The way your parents imprint themselves on you can be really hard to shake.
0: But, yeah, but as with, a character. <laughs> yeah, and what's so <laughs> and weird, too, Superman, though... And as Superman, it's just
1: not interesting yeah. to watch.
0: What's so weird, though, too, is, like, after that scene that is, you know, titular, everyone constantly makes fun of, where it's, like, Paw like, yeah, maybe you should have let him die to you save yeah. yourself. I don't know. Like, it's... Well, I think that scene is, like... I was like, as a just a random dude from Kansas who has a alien for a son, I can understand, like... I can empathize with the idea of, like, I have no idea like, what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I just don't want you to get hurt. Sure. Yeah. But then immediately after that, we have a scene in the barn where he sees his pod, where he tells him that he's an alien, and he basically tells him, like, basically contradicts what he says prior, where it's like, at one point in your life, you're going to have to show yourself, and you're going to do great things. It's <laughs> like, you're telling this teenager not to show himself, but don't worry You'll know when you're supposed to show yourself right, like you're not yeah. really you're giving him mixed messages yeah and so there's a moment pa Kent's death where he thinks he can save his father without being seen because he's Superman and he's fast as shit but his dad just lets himself die yeah he just... <laughs> in a tornado yeah it's the dumbest thing right because it's like the reason why it also pisses me off the most is like in Donners Superman. When they – Paul Kent's death is used perfectly in that film because he dies of a heart attack. <laughs> something that Superman can't fix. That is something that something that no god who – no, like, living god like yeah. Superman could ever fix. That is something that – there are things in this world that are inevitable like that. Yeah. Like, death is inevitable. and And that is a good lesson to show him that, like, you – Need to keep going on this path. But there are going to be times where things are going to get rough. Don't let that get to you. And it's like, that's what Pa Kent should be doing. (laughs) Not sending mixed messages to a 12-year-old who realizes, I can pick up a bus with no issue. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, everyone thinks I'm weird. Should I keep doing this? And it's like, I just... It's so all over the place in what it's trying to do. And that's not even touching on Lois Lane and how she is uh, not... I wouldn't say a wet fart of a character, but uh, she definitely is. Because I remember when she was when it was Amy Adams initially, people were just like, you know, comic book fans. we like, she, she's she got red hair. Lois doesn't have <laughs> yeah, that. She and doesn't like, look like Lois. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. It's Amy Adams. She's great. And then you watch the film and you go, well, if I didn't know she was great, I don't know if this film would have shown me. Because, yeah. like, she's just... I mean, her first line is like, you know, she's got that. We're going to measure dicks. Or we're going to actually, you know, be professional with one another. It's like, that's right. cheeky. Right. That's a very lois line. But, like, Lois as a character is pretty much like, oh, who's that man in the sky? Yeah. I want to know if I can find him. And then the film is just like, we're going to force you into every scene we can. Because <laughs> why not? Yeah. Because her going on the spaceship really doesn't make any sense. Mm-mm. Like, it always feels like it's on, she's on the spaceship, so, like, all the information that Zod gives to superman she gets as well so like when they get off the spaceship she can just tell the army she can tell the military christopher maloney and uh not uh martian manhunter <laughs> oh yeah tell them both like this is what you need to know because they told it to superman and i was there too and she has to have a weird father a, a, a weird scene with uh ai russell crow which is like <laughs> yeah. which it's cheeky, sure, but like looking at it now, it's like this film is two and a half hours. Do we really need to have more Jarell in this scenario? Yeah. And it, I, what do we need to? What should we talk about next? There's just, just so much yeah, to talk there, it's about. It's just there,
1: it takes so long. That, I mean, you just alluded to the two and a half hour runtime. Yeah, and it takes so long to kind of go nowhere in a lot of places where it's just. Yeah, I mean, Superman never really figures out how he feels about his dilemma about being a God amongst men and what he should do with his power. And it kind of only gets worse in Batman V Superman. (laughs)
0: Yeah. There's, there's one big, there's two big defining moments at the end of the film where Clark destroys the codex basically where he's like, and it's a scene where it has a lot of mixed messages, but I feel like it makes perfect. It makes sense enough where it's like, Krypton had its chance. It wasn't going to get any better, and using this method and killing Earth just to run it, into, run another Krypton into the ground is not going to do anything. Right. Earth needs to have its chance. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. I think in another film, you could do it in a profound way that isn't as tone-deaf and confusing <laughs> as uh, Superman just killed a lot of babies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, that makes sense. But also, another defining moment is... Killing Zod, mm-hmm. it's a scene that if it wasn't for the fact that there's a family that could just move out of the way, <laughs> I think is also a, a decent, profound moment that it, like yeah it
1: might be yeah. a little more weighty
0: yeah where it's like it's just him against the other last Krypton- Kryptonian who is not going to get up, give up yeah so he has to make a just choice and he goes for his Earth for Earth and it leads to him basically realizing he just killed he is now truly the only Kryptonian left mm-hmm. um, and it's like. Damn, that would be good. I mean, that's it's like in that scene it's like this could be good if not the prior 30 minutes of the whole metropolis getting destroyed and like, you know, all the dust settling and all this watching people consistently die and then yeah. when that all that happens, we get, like, a, a cheeky moment of Lois mm. and Superman at ground zero. Yeah, they're literally standing
1: like... in the flattened ashes of the center of Metropolis. Yeah. You know,
0: they say it gets worse after the first kiss. Yeah, It's like, you're in a dead zone, lady. Why are you saying something so cheeky? Yeah, everyone <laughs> who was in this mile <clears throat> radius is vaporized. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the first Superman uh, fight scene is an hour and 15 minutes in. It's the Smallville scene. Yeah. But we it takes about an hour to get to an actual, like, basically the first hour of the film is just set up, basically, where it's just like you see what happens on Krypton, you see what Clark's been up to for the last, you know, he's been around, I think, 33 years. I think they say his age is 33 because isn't that – Jesus' age, yeah, same age Jesus died. Because you you went Jesus' age is like oh god. Dude, right? <laughs> um, so he's, we see his life. We see I think one of the only moments that I think is just genuinely great, excluding the kids line where Clark is like all of his powers are coming to him at once and he's scared shitless because he's oh, got yeah. like, but like you have the the world's too big, mom. That really yeah. bad line <laughs> that gave me uh flash forwards, flashbacks to. Uh, teenage Aquaman. Oh. So they executed no. him? <laughs> yeah. They yeah, executed yeah. her? Um, but yeah, it's just like. And again, this has been done before. Raimi's first Spider Man film. It's a tight two hours. First hour is basically origin story. Second hour is like the actual plot of like Spider Man versus Green Goblin. Yeah, this and is the current comes, like- Yeah, and then A Man of Steel. You, you get that, but it's just in a worse way because it's just the editing's so weird in terms of what scenes are shown when because we still get flashback stuff i think even an hour in and it doesn't make any sense while we're why we're seeing we're still seeing like teen clark deal yeah, with all this yeah but, well
1: and the other thing is when when zod shows up for the second half of the movie to kind of bring in the you know the main conflict mm-hmm. superman hasn't really made any progress on his internal conflict up to that point no. he's just dalled out for an hour of the movie. He got a new suit. Then,
0: yeah, he got, a new he, he, suit. he got a nice suit. And he it's, learned how to fly. Stands for
1: hope. Yeah. That's what that
0: crest stands for. It's not for. an S. Not an S.
1: <laughs> but yeah. Um and yeah, I mean for me probably the most I don't know, the most I guess offensive part of the movie is like all the 9/11 imagery juxtaposed against the kind of lack of acknowledgement of damage that Superman does. It's just weird to purposefully draw those parallels and mm-hmm. then act like it's not important you know, because you have to Yeah, make, you have to make your superhero fight happen.
0: Well, it's actually I think it's less that they don't treat it important and more like they they downplay it, which That's is what weird. What I mean, yeah. Where, I mean, where it's like it is an important part of the second film in Batman be <laughs> <laughs> right, Superman. But we don't but get like, there
1: in this movie. Yeah, at all. but
0: yeah, and but even in then it just feels like they still are not talking about it cuz you feel like if you watch this film and you're like, oh my god, Superman is creating, not entirely on his own, but he is inadvertently causing a lot of damage that is reminiscent of nine yeah. eleven. And you would think if that's the case, uh, the, the consensus in Metropolis would be Superman bad. But then <laughs> you watch Batman v Superman and you don't get that. It's hilariously kind of like an inverse of what the MCU does, where it's like, When Avengers happens, the Battle of New York, it's treated in, like, it still sucks, but, like, the Avengers stopped most of the casualties. They saved a day. Everyone loves the Avengers. And then it's in Civil War. They try to, like, enhance it and intensify it, saying, no, that was bad. Sokovia was even worse. And it's like, okay, I get what you're trying to do now. But at least they're they're actually trying in a sense where it's like yeah. I can kind of see where there is a defense from. of yeah. the heroes in that yeah. case. <laughs> yeah, even then it's like, but even then, like they even give you like statistics and numbers in terms yeah, yeah, of how yeah. many die and how many casualties. They kind of like,
1: softball it so it's yeah. easier to stay on the superheroes side. And, and, it's,
0: and it's like, yeah, but like. It was aliens. Like, yeah, you know, it was, was aliens. Like, it
1: was the government. It was it, an, was
0: it was an alien army. It was Nazis in the government. <laughs> like, of course, it's going to shit like that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Ultron is entirely on Tony, <laughs> but that's another thing. Right, right. But like in Man of Steel, it's like when Clark, when Superman stops the world engine, I believe is what it's called in the Indian Ocean, and also they stop it in Metropolis from. Uh, Isn't it like... It's basically just like recultivating the environment to be for uh, Kryptonians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Terraforming. Yeah, terraforming. There's the word I was looking for. And when they do that, the battle's over. Until Zod basically wants to have one more fight. And instead of Superman trying to get Zod away, which would be a very Superman thing to do, which is basically if he sees how much casualties are happening, he would try to get him out. Right. Because Zod is only in Metropolis because of Superman. Instead of that... Superman just is constantly breaking the speed of sound just to throw him into more buildings. Yeah. And does not care about explosions and only cares about four people when it comes down to killing the last Kryptonian yeah. other than him. And it just feels – it. And I mean it, it leads to like when the beginning of the v Superman happens where like Bruce Wayne is pissed because it's like this guy is just not giving a shit about people. Like he could cake any of us out. It's like, yeah – yeah. I get it man like yeah. I'm on your side at this point but like but that's not what the film wants you to think Right. because right. immediately after he kills Zod there is a scene where he takes down a drone and he's like you can't find me General but you'll know I'm there when you need me <laughs> and then it's like I don't know Superman's kinda hot and it's like what movie is this trying right, to be right because you just gave me 911 part 2 10 minutes ago yeah. and now you're making cheeky jokes about hot Henry Cavill is which he is but that's not why we're here right now <laughs> and then it just like ends on a wet fart of a note where it's like that's another thing too that's very weird about this film is like I am a brig I'm a big supporter of while Iron Man and Tony Stark are obviously the same person cuz Tony Stark is Iron Man there are Vastly different personalities in terms, yeah. of like you know, with Cap and right, Steve, and right, right. like, or p- better yet, Peter Parker and Spider Man. Mm-hmm. It happens the same with the DC characters, Bruce Wayne and Batman, vastly different from one another, and there's a reason for that. Clark Kent and Superman are the same exact way, and in Man of Steel, you barely know anything about Superman. You know very less about Clark. Yeah. Like Clark <laughs> as a character, when you see him at the end, look at Lois. It's like, how does everyone just not know you're Superman? Yeah, he's You've got been, the exact same energy. Yeah, you've 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 he was like, Yeah, you can put your glasses on all you want. Like you're just yeah. like at least it's not,
1: it's not like Christopher Reeves version where he was like he took on the persona of a dork.
0: Yeah. Or Brandon Ralph in Superman yeah. Returns. He yeah. does the same thing. Yeah. Where it's like they kind of scruff his hair a little bit. Yeah. He's like uh uh he hey acts hey,
1: like an idiot. Hey, yeah.
0: Lois, I I don't know if you're doing anything later yeah. this week. It's like they actually try, but in but he's literally both, just
1: Superman with glasses yeah.
0: on and <laughs> steel. It's if Zack is like, eh, it's stupid. Why does he pretend? Yeah. It's like, it's comics, Zach. <laughs> that's
1: why you yeah, well, do it. Well, Zack doesn't <laughs> like comics. He's, he's, he he made, does. He made that very clear. He likes,
0: he likes two comics yeah, well, in yeah, particular. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we're going right into the next one, because there's a lot to talk about with this one. <laughs> when we talk about the two comics he does like, we know for sure... That he loves Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. One of the most just overrated Batman comics. It is a great comic. I actually really enjoy Batman Returns. But it is a comic that has been referenced and almost done to death in elements at times. Yeah. To the point where it's like, we're at a moment where it's like, there's so many good Batman comics. You don't have to keep doing the one where Batman's old and has a gun. (laughs) But what Snyder does, the first time he gets to have Batman and play with him in the sandbox, he makes him older and gives him a gun. Yeah. (laughs) And then the other one, which I assume he puts it in there because he thought, if we just do this comic to a degree, it'll be profound. It isn't. The (laughs) death of Superman. These two comics are the biggest the biggest influences to the second Superman film and the first Batman film in this universe. <laughs> the second time we see Superman, his big storyline is basically leading up to death of Superman by the end of it. And the first time we see Batman in this film, he is a crotchety old man who's been doing this for at least a decade. Yeah, maybe 20 years. Yeah, and it's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> I get it. You can do cheeky things like the whole Robin outfit has the uh, Joker spray paint on it where it's yeah. like, oh, you're alluding to death in the family. Or you can talk about like, uh, I think there's a one point they talk about wind up penguins and penguin <laughs> bombs and stuff like that. Right. So they talk about other villains that are in the universe, like trying to be cheeky and be like, see, this is world building, right? At the same time, it just feels like, it it just doesn't feel like the characters. Yeah. And, it, and it's weird to say because again, Batman. It is that is a version of Batman, but it's a version of Batman that is like a is not the mainline version of Batman. It is it is like a. I think some people have said it best, and I think these are a lot of people who enjoy these films in a way that it's not like unequivocally these are genius keynote right. type shit. Um, it's a lot of these people go like these kind of feel like Elseworlds type stories yeah. to me. Yeah, where it's like this isn't what I see Batman. This is not how I see Superman, but this is a different take a unique yeah. take, and I kind of vibe with it. And it's like, cool, yeah. I can understand that, except that both Warner Brothers and both Snyder do not market these films, or do not talk about these films as if they are side stories or alternate reality versions.
1: Well, and also, it's perfectly, you know, it's all well and good to say, you know, this isn't your mom as Superman and Batman, this is a different version of those characters, but yeah. those that different version of the character should be compelling in their own right. And that's kind of where Snyder runs into trouble in most of his movies, is he he wants to put this dark and heavy spin on things and make everybody miserable, but he doesn't really have that much to say about it. No. And the characters' motivations and reasons for being the way they are, as miserable as they are, is incredibly shallow and undeveloped, and it doesn't go anywhere. Batman. I mean, Batman clearly has an arc in this movie, but it's an arc that happens in one scene over the dumbest turning point in any gonna, blockbuster movie. I'm going to put a pin on that
0: for a moment because we will get, we'll bring that up, but that that deserves its own moment. Yeah, I just want to yeah, get yeah. up to that point. So, 2013 Man of Steel comes out. It, uh, I think it's critically does fairly well. I mean people are it's I mean at that point they still had midnight releases. It seemed like it did a decent amount opening weekend wise, but it didn't make enough money overall what they wanted to. I don't it didn't make enough in their mind. It made a it made a lot. I believe Man of Steel made four hundred, five hundred million, I think Uh, in worldwide box office, but it got to a point where like we were like, okay, you know, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't set anyone's world it's on fire. Six
1: hundred, almost seven hundred.
0: Yeah, so like it made a lot of money back. It definitely made its money back, but yeah. I don't think it hit the goals that Warner Brothers wanted. But for a lot of us, I mean, including myself, I saw Man of Steel in theaters. Uh, oh, it was one of the last films I saw at midnight release until End Game. <laughs> <laughs> Years later, but um, I remember watching Man of Steel, hearing how it would kind of underperformed a bit. I think its first few weeks. But being like, uh, it might underperform. But I kind of hope Warner Brothers gives him another another movie and another chance to kind of grow out the character. And then about two th- about two years after that, you know, Comic Con happens in 2015, and we get, I believe, an announcement as well as first footage of the true Man of Steel sequel, <laughs> which is a team up film, a mm-hmm. versus film, uh, if you will, which is. Batman v Superman Donald Justice, and we see the shot of Batman in the Bat Armor turning on the Bat signal and seeing a angry Superman looking at him. And people lost their minds. You know, comic book fans went ape shit. They were just yeah. like, oh my god, we are getting Ben Affleck, Batfleck was the thing that kept happening a lot of the time. Uh then it was rumors were coming out that uh we were getting Diana Prince obviously Wonder Woman when then we saw a trailer where you see Wonder Woman they weren't even trying to hide it. Yeah. We're getting DC's big 3 in a film which is never happened. It's wild. I mean, I mean to a degree it's like it is kind of wild that it's 2016 when this film comes out and we've never had a film that has Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman. But cool, you know that happens. And then we start to see more. We start to see who the main villain is in the film yeah we start to see who the big bad muscle is in the film who doesn't show up until the very end and we start to go well this doesn't look great <laughs> now but they've got to have learned from man of steel right andy did they learn from man of steel when it <laughs> came to batman v superman
1: Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I will
0: clarify too that with the Ultimate Edition, it is thirty extra minutes. So the release, I believe, of the of the theatrical cut of Batman v Superman, it's a little over two and a half hours. So it's almost as it's a bit longer than Man of Steel, and then the Ultimate Edition is three hours and two minutes. And Andy, even with that extra half hour, <laughs> did they learn from Man of Steel?
1: <laughs> no, no, and I I had never seen the. The Ultimate Edition, before watching it for this, I had only seen the theatrical edition. And really, what a waste of 30 minutes, I felt like. Like, I didn't feel like the movie really was all that much better put together for having that extra time. There's a couple <sighs> logical things in the plot that are better explained, um, so that that's kind of remedied. But those are ultimately, mm-hmm. at least with me, plot logic issues are, like, the bottom of my complaints with any movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, the same issues are all here with with characters arcs being muddled and and stagnant and the thematic takeaway of the movie being also very confused and Snyder having too much to say and nothing all nothing to say all at once. So much of that. It's it's, just it's a lot yeah, of that. In that way it's honestly worse than Man of Steel, I would say.
0: It is it is a watchable Dumpster fire. (laughs) It is just a astounding mess through and through. That is a it is a smorgasbord of Snyder ideas that's similar to Man of Steel, but turned up to eleven. Where it's like this is an idea that could make sense for Batman. This is an idea that could maybe make sense for Wonder Woman. An idea that makes sense for Superman. Lex Luthor such and such. But then, like we said with Sucker Punch, same with Man of Steel. They overcomplicate things. It's tone deaf in places. In terms of like, you know, I think in in this, it's the worst tone deaf wise for the big moments. Yeah. Which one in particular, the one that I pinned, we will talk about later. (laughs) Um, And it just is, even with 30 minutes, while I do agree that the 30 minutes strangely give the film more breathing room, what they do with that breathing room still doesn't feel like they do enough. Yeah. Where it's like, you get more time with Clark Kent. You get more time with Lois. You get a little bit more time, I think, maybe with Batman and Lex. But even with those little times, like Lex still sucks. It's not Lex Luthor. It's not even the fact that it's Lex Luthor Jr. It's just, as a character, it just doesn't fit. Like, Eisenberg in that yeah, role is going... just a is a clown (laughs) yeah they're
1: going for the weird eccentric villain and it just doesn't fit in this weird kind of dour i hate to use the word but like deconstruction of these mythological characters and here he is this kind of quippy bizarre comedy relief villain mm -hmm. who's also incredibly pretentious
0: it almost feels like the the best the thing that snyder loves the most about lex Luthor is when he's in his green body armor suit and fights yeah because it's like Lex Lex is a killer and phenomenal villain in the DC Universe because he knows how to fight Superman, yeah. and that is as a mental game. He constantly uses press and the, com- and the public and the community and corruption in a way that he's like, if you do this to me, I will paint you in a light that you will probably never be able to get back from if you come at me. Unless you find, and then Superman has to do creative ways to get after him. Yeah, he's playing 4D chess. Yeah, this Lex Luthor is supposed to be playing 4D chess, (laughs) but isn't. He's his plan is one of the dumbest things, where it's like his whole thing is he wants to make deterrence for Superman. He basically they find kryptonite in the in the Indian Ocean from the World Engine, and he's like, I want to make missiles just in case if Superman goes bad, we can shoot at him. And to be honest, if I was in that universe, I would be like, "Why would we be against this? Like Superman brought down a city yeah. over a yeah. over what basically should have been a bar brawl for, with two normal dudes, but he You're took right. down a good chunk of the city. But then no, like a Democratic senator who I feel like Snyder is like saying is in the wrong. Uh, a Democratic senator from Kentucky <laughs> played by Holly Hunter is like, no." you just want to make it you just want to make a terrorist weapon you just want to make a assassination tool and we this is not a country that does that and it's like mm? it's like well <laughs> it's like well, okay i that's not true and then at the same time what yeah and so lex gets mad um lex basically goes beyond behind channels behind the government and you know just kind of like using using the russian mob to a degree i think i think russian hitmen yeah. to do his dirty work and take out like basically pay someone to lie about superman killing innocent people which he didn't but they they pay a woman to say that she like he killed her family right and then when they have her usefulness of her they throw her in front of a train uh, a fun a want a fun film for all kids <laughs> and then you know he bombs he puts a bomb in a paralyzed man's chair that he gave to him yep. to blow up the Capitol. And after that, um, he finds out that Batman stole his kryptonite. So he decides to create a monster he can't control just so he can not only stop Superman, but also maybe get back his kryptonite from Batman. Oh, and also he's, he kidnapped Batman's mom, to try, or kidnapped Superman's mom. So, to make Superman and Batman fight
1: yeah I don't I don't know what Lex was was hoping would happen if Doomsday won the planet dies if
0: doomsday wins <laughs> I don't know like it's 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 also a weird thing that like he has and a big thing about Lex's character that Snyder's trying to push is daddy issues and also a weird maternal instincts for certain things he has a weird maternal instinct with doomsday. Yeah. where it's like when he creates doomsday which he's creating doomsday with zod's dead body which right. I hope Michael Shannon got a decent paycheck for them just using his, <laughs> his like likeness. his likeness for a dead body for the majority yeah. of the film uh, he like when he's creating doomsday he's like crying and almost acting like he's a proud father as he creates yeah. this monstrosity and he wants he just wants his kryptonite back so he can kill Superman but then he finds a better way to control superman and yet he still just wants that kryptonite yeah and then even then he's like ah he's probably gonna fail so i'm gonna make a monster <laughs> and it's like it's like it's like a man who thinks that 40 chess is just writing 40 chess on a paper <laughs> and that's the plan it's right, like right. you got a you gotta bluff and he just and he also is like every every single line reading just feels off Like he just, it just like it's comical. Like this film is straight up comical unintentionally because of a lot of like you know the red capes are coming, yeah, or uh, the you know what I would like to change. I would take that painting upside down because we now know, Senator, that devils don't come from underground; they They come come from the sky. And it's like, what is this man? He's not a man. There's also the Jolly Rancher scene, which is a Mm. weird power thing. Yeah, weird
1: kind of sexual. Power yeah. balance
0: thing. Where yeah. it's like, I'm going to make you eat this Jolly Rancher because I'm rich. Yeah, to and show you who's it. in control. Eat and, my Jolly Rancher. Ugh. And then, it's just... Again, this is a film that's called Batman v Superman, Donna of Justice. But it really should just be uh, Batman in all caps and then in parentheses, yeah, Superman. Yeah. <laughs> Superman is just not a character in this movie. No. He, does, he does what's supposed to be quirky things like getting in a tub with Lois... With all of his clothes on. Yeah. He, uh, you know. he's
1: sad and horny.
0: Yes. In the Ultimate Edition, you see more of him going to Gotham and being like, Batman bad? No, Batman okay. No, Batman bad. Well, I think Batman bad. And that's yeah. like his whole thing. Right. And then that, only le- that just leads to Perry being like, shut up, you fucking nerd. Just do the <laughs> sports. And it's like, what is his job at the planet again? If he's not doing his job, why is he here? Yeah. Well, he's here because he's Clark Kent and he right. has to be at the Daily be. Planet. And it's like how did he even get the job? He got the job. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, he didn't go to college. I don't yeah, think. We, yeah, we
1: don't really show that he's a good journalist. It
0: almost is implied to me that still, after Paul died, he just kind of went on like a cross-country. Yeah, he like road became trip. a nomad. Yeah, he got like, some random jobs. Yeah, in, he he was in Deadliest Catch for a little bit, yeah. and he was a bartender at a Ended bar up in Antarctica or something. Yeah. Helped, helped a bunch of dudes in an oil rig. That's a yeah. good superhero moment. And that's like one of the only superhero moments in Man of Steel that really yeah. resonates. But in, in Batman v Superman, he basically, his big moments, his big superhero moment in the beginning is him taking out a terrorist by throwing him through like several walls. And it's like, am I supposed to feel like there was justice done? He is. Yeah. He can burn his eyeballs out. I was right. like, he can actually stop the bullet before it hits Lois. That's the whole thing about There's so about many him. ways
1: he could just incapacitate the guy instantly, yeah. but instead he
0: throws him through a bunch of walls. He fights like Homelander. Yeah. It's so weird yeah, that it's, it's like, like, wait a minute. Like, wait why minute. do you fight like you're in the boys. You're not supposed to be that. (laughs) You're supposed to probably Snyder probably didn't know about
1: the boys, but ultimately the boys is what Snyder would be making if he knew about
0: it. Yeah. He would, he would want something that it's like, all the world sucks and superheroes superheroes are are bad. Yeah. Superheroes are just like, you know, either gods or pitiful or both. Yeah. And it's like, but Batman though, Batman's tight. And that's, what's so weird about this movie is you get a lot of Batman's perspective and it is uh he is an old cratchy man who is fairly xenophobic especially towards yeah. superman uh what's that line he says where it's like if there's a 1% chance if there's a
1: even a 1% chance that he's an enemy we have to take it as an absolute certainty <laughs> it's like, like
0: it's like world's greatest detective here yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't know about probability and <laughs> right, percentages right. and okay <laughs> What is this movie? It just, it sucks too. So I want to clarify that I think every time, I mean, I I remember the first time watching this film, I liked it. And a lot of that was because of denial. I couldn't Mm. believe that a lot of this happened. I hate, I don't like the story of Death of Superman. Yeah. We we should be past that. It, Mm -mm. It was a milestone in comics. It makes sense that it was a big deal. It's a classic for a reason. Not every Superman story should strive to do Death of Superman. Yeah. And same with Dark Knight Returns. I have Dark Knight Returns, read it several times, enjoy the shit out of it. Not every Batman film should strive to do Dark Knight Returns. Right. It's actually one of the reasons why Nolan's films are a lot better. Or like Nolan's films are good because he takes a lot of influences from several different storylines. Yeah. And it's just so weird. To watch this film and be like, oh, there's Dark Knight Returns again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Death of Superman. There's a spear with kryptonite on it. I wonder where that's going to go. <laughs> and it's like, oh, boy. Is that more Jesus imagery that I see in the oh, background? Yeah. Oh, Always boy. time for more Jesus imagery. And then it's like, oh, boy. Why is Wonder Woman here? And then you go, oh, don't worry. You get a bunch of more cameos besides Wonder Woman in
1: <laughs> this film. And it's like... Yeah, you get an
0: email full of trailers for upcoming superheroes. Wonder Woman's whole point in the film is just to get a picture from World War One that she doesn't want Lex Luthor to have.
1: Right, right.
0: And then when she gets the picture back, Bruce Wayne goes, By the way, boys share too. I got more than just your stuff. And then she just stays there. As And I think you said it best because there's a review of this film that is just gloriously shitting on it for nine <laughs> minutes but she basically gets a press kit of future DC films yeah. and has some of the funniest just some of the funniest things where it's like Flash's thing is probably the best where it's like he's in a convenience a security store security camera footage yeah, yeah a guy's trying to rob a security a guy's trying to rob a grocery store and then the Flash beats the shit out of him super fast you can't see it happen yeah. well that's tight uh, Aquaman's is fucking hilarious because he just is in a cave and has this trident, and he looks like he's going to poke a camera like he's a caveman. Yeah, he looks like <laughs> a,
1: like when you yeah put a camera in like a gorilla pen, and they're like, oh, watch this, or like the, the mirror. If you ever yeah. seen the videos of the yeah. gorillas in front of a mirror and they don't yeah. know what to do with it, it's he, like he's, he's half civilized. He's, he's half civilized. human. Yeah,
0: he's half human, and it, it's like, and then you get to cyborg. Who just like you just see you see Cyborg. Him in the background? Yeah, you see him in pain. You see them. You see his father create him, but you see him put his son through pain. Yeah, and it's like the music isn't like foreboding or sad. It's like, oh my god, here's the heroes. Here's the heroes. <laughs> it's so cool. And it's like, well, no. I'm pretty
1: sure, yeah, half of the half of that scene where she's looking through clips, it's playing the Wonder Woman theme, which is the yeah. It's like it's like it's like it's what, like this uh... rousing kind of battle. And they're know, like, no battle rage thing. It's like, whoa, this is it's like stop terrible. It. And of course, all of the all of the superheroes and their little video clips have a perfectly created logo, which would which actually goes on to be the actual logo of each of those characters, even though those characters don't know that Lex had those videos of them. It's just,
0: I, it is, it is, and I, I, there's just this whole, and it's not even we haven't even talked about that what we're supposed to be getting in the Justice League is. I would say I would love to say that we're subtly nodded to in this film, but it, is, it would be a lie. And it is the introduction of the big bad of Justice League oh, yeah. or one of the biggest bads, uh, Dark Side, who is uh think of basically kind of like DC's version of Thanos. It's not a it's not a one to one comparison. But they're often yes. kind of
1: touted as parallel characters, right? Yes. By- fans of either either company or both they're i they're both you know cosmic warlords yeah. of a sort
0: we i'm it's, um, it's safe to say that i don't think snyder is going to have a human add a human element to dark side yeah. like the russo's put into I thanos i think it seems so like
1: dark side is just a big evil dude
0: he's a ruthless he's basically a ruthless galactic dictator yeah that is who lives on a hell planet basically <laughs> and in Batman v Superman, Donna Justice to quote unquote hint at what is coming <laughs> next in the universe. Batman has a dream; has not just dreams, but dreams that are also visions, or maybe just visions that are just dreams. Yeah. it's in this weird space where it's well, like when he meets Flash from the future. Yeah, Batman's <laughs> Batman has a vision of a post-apocalypse where Superman has his own Gestapo. And is like just killing people in a vast desert wasteland. Yeah. And then the second dream he has is a a flat is Flash coming back from the future telling him that Lois Lane is the key to everything. And he doesn't know who Flash is. He doesn't know what he's looking at. And is <laughs> one of the funniest things that Flash looks at him and goes, Oh, am I too early? <laughs> yeah. And then he just leaves yeah. and then he wakes up again as if it's a dream. But we're supposed to also take it as if it's fact. Right. And we don't really know. And it's weird, too, because you think when you first see it, you go, oh, it's the theatrical cut. Maybe it's just weirdly edited. It's the same editing and the no, ultimate nothing Edition. Nothing changes with that. That was intentional, I yeah. guess, to make it be like, oh, is this really going to be happening? It's going to happen. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, no. I, this is this is the worst way to do that. Yeah,
1: well, and it's like you don't, you know, it's not just a foreboding dream sequence vision that's like oh teasing something new it's a full action scene yeah like batman gets in a big old fight kills a bunch of superman's cronies it's like wow it's it reminded me of sucker punch having now watched sucker punch when i rewatched batman v superman i'm like this was like any of the action scenes in sucker punch they're killing a bunch of people a bunch of choreography it's super complex and badass i guess but i don't understand why it's, it's happening. It's, I don't understand why this is an extended sequence. It doesn't mean anything. It's not
0: emotionally resonant. Yeah. It doesn't do anything for you because you know it's, it's a totally
1: dream. Out, And it's because it's totally out of context. Yeah. This Batman in his vision is not the Batman in the rest of the movie. Yeah. Which is it's now, like,
0: it's, it's hilarious now because we know in the Snyder Cut we're getting more... Of this shit. Yeah, this... But at the time when we saw this, we were like, okay... Nightmare is what they're calling yeah, nightmare it. Yeah, Nightmare with a K. Because, yeah. you know, funny. <laughs> and it's like, okay... Like, when you see this scene initially, you go, oh, this is probably just like... It's just a... This is Batman in his fucking xenophobic, crashity state, believing this is the worst case scenario. Right. But then you watch what now is the Justice League, like Zack Snyder's Justice League trailers, and it looks like they're taking that as, like, that's what's going to actually happen if Superman right. either dies or is bad. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, then you should have done a better job in making us want to see more of that, or at least have it more be like, wow, like who is that? What is going on here? Like the film, like it just like he not only does he fight Superman's Gestapo, fucking parademons, yeah. this evil demonic dark sides, evil demonic army just kind of comes down. They have right. like bug wings, because of course they do. And they just start attacking, and it's like this is the first time we're seeing any of this. Mm-hmm. First time we're seeing parademons. Anything about the nightmare possibility, and it just comes out of left field. It happens because Batman is bored by watching a loading screen, <laughs> so he falls asleep. And when that happens, he wakes up, and it's like, "What? Yeah, what the fuck are you talking about? No, this." And then it just like, and then it just cuts to Superman being sad. We're like, "Oh no, people just don't really like me. I wonder why." <laughs> Why don't people see me as a savior? And then, like, and then the next scene, it's like, man, it sucks being people's savior. And it's like, yeah. what are you trying to do with this Superman? Right? Superman is is a beacon of hope in a world that is full of just hard Danger reality. Re- yeah, yeah, it's just hard reality. Like, some people are just assholes and mean. People die. There's nothing you could do about it except Superman could. Yeah, and that's what makes it great. I mean, one of the best Superman moments that constantly gets recirculated is a scene where there is a woman who is about to jump off of a building and commit suicide, and Superman just shows up and says, "Don't do that, Joanne. Like your family really, family really loves you. Your your doctor was telling the truth. He yeah. was he was late." And then she hugs him, and then it's like that's what Superman is. Superman could be for everybody, and right. is for everybody. And then in this film, he's just going like. I saved a space shuttle and I'm sad about and I'm it I'm sad about it. I saved these people from a burning building and they treat me like a god, but am I a god and it's like <laughs> you it's are' like it doesn't matter The Just absolute Worst, you have a nice apartment, you're dating Amy Adams, yeah. you're hot as hell, and you have godlike powers, and yet you can't be an adult about it. You were, it's like, it's like a it's like about 15. Man is
1: the ultimate privileged white man in this Absolutely. movie.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> it is so, it's just so frustrating. Where it's like, he is just a normal dude that just so happens to have godlike powers. And when he uses those godlike powers, he uses them in a way that you would hope everyone else would. Yeah. It's, he is the embodiment of hope and optimism and f- in the future of humanity, even yeah. though he is an alien. He is a immigration story. <laughs> he is like one of the... He is a quintessential... He is like a quintessential immigrant story in terms of pop culture. Yeah, because yeah. he is about an alien who is in a foreign land... And builds from the ground up, makes something of himself. And while he does have abilities, he, in his reality, in his normal life, becomes his own person, learns how to be his own self. And it is, and yes, he is a white man, so yeah. it is something that's like it definitely is, especially it's easier for him to absolutely not and, and, and judge. Yeah, and like and like you said, things. and like you said, it is, it is. Just like watching him be all pissy and sad, it's like you are an attractive white dude who has no issues right now, other than you just are insecure. You're just arbitrarily sad about the fact yeah. that you can help people, and it's like it his, doesn't make any sense. His arc seems like is just basically I don't have anything to fight for, and like, then what? what do you mean? Look around you; <laughs> you have everything to fight for. Right, and then it's, well, you just it,
1: established yeah. in the last movie that you know. You're going to let Krypton die because Krypton had its chance and now Earth needs its chance. Okay, there's there's your motive for the yeah. rest of your life. Give Earth a chance.
0: Yes, but nope. It, you have to find out that the the, the, the twist is, is after he talks to Ghost Dad, because he has to go on top of a, a snowy mountain to talk to Kevin Costner for <laughs> yeah. a few minutes. He has to go that, to Dad Mountain. Yeah, his his big arc is basically Lois is who he fights for. Lois is the person that gives him strength every day. Which is so lame. And it's like... That it's adorable, but that's a lot to put on one person. Yeah, that is a lot, and it also feels so weak. Yeah, it's like it's like it's weak, and it's also a little bit toxic. Like it is
1: absolutely like uh, you know, yeah, your happiness and your
0: purpose in life depends on this one other person. No, quit being insecure. Grow, grow as a person. Yeah. I think you need to take some time off from one another and actually maybe go be a nomad again, but be a good <laughs> yeah. boy. Yeah. Go, go, it's like... Quit being sad. It doesn't matter, though. He's dead. Yeah. He dies. He gets stabbed in the heart. You, get, you have, like, this renaissance recreation with Wonder Woman and Batman yeah. and Lois holding Superman like he's Jesus. Then you get two funerals. This film ends on two funerals, one for Superman, one for Clark. Right, right. And then at the very end of the film... You see you see dirt rise from his casket the film can't even wait till a post credit scene to tell yeah. you that superman is fine and it undermines all of that build up that it it it's it failed the <laughs> superman, build up initially superman
1: very unnecessarily dies and then less than 10 minutes later is alluded yeah. to
0: be revived Despite the fact that wonder woman is 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 strong is very strong and can hold a kryptonite spear without being weak. And the fact that he could probably hold Batman holding a kryptonite spear yeah. and he would still be fine. He, for some reason, places all of, the, all of the blame and the sacrifice on himself to basically pick up a sphere that makes him weak. And take it and stab it into the, into Doomsday. Yeah. Who, we haven't talked about Doomsday. Doomsday... Looks like if you took a, a a bunch of gray Play-Doh and you told a kid to make a Ninja Turtle in ten seconds, yeah, and that's what you get. He just looks like a he just looks it's just stupid. A gray blob. He is, yeah. and then he gets a shit ton of like radio radiation thrown at him, and then he grows spikes. Yep, and then it's like I know why he does that in the comics, but like the film, the film doesn't do anything to really explain. They do explain, the the military
1: nukes him, and then somehow they know immediately that because he survived the nuke, like, you hear this military commander go, everything we throw at him, he gets more powerful. He's unkillable. He just adapts to everything. And it's like, you don't actually see him really adapting to anything, it's just, he's not he's just tanking the
0: hits like yeah it's, i think that's not martian manhunter that says that it's not but it's, oh, a, it it's a military oh, oh, guy. it must be
1: with him it's some random military guy who's launching the nukes or something yeah
0: i i like that in this film there's a moment where the president like and they don't say who the president is it's just mr president and you just hear like a a moment of silence and you, you get that cliche moment of my god and it's yeah. like and it's like <laughs> okay like it, if any other movie, like it, it was like this is just silly that like this is happening now when you're yeah. sho- when you're shoving a nuke into space. Yeah, yeah. And but yeah, you. But we got to talk about it because it's called Batman v Superman. We got to talk about the fight. Oh yeah. uh, This movie is the ultimate edition. is three is three hours long. The fight's ten minutes, maybe yeah. maybe less, maybe a little bit more. <clears throat> Basically, the whole film. Batman hates Superman. He's scared of Superman. Just wants to take out Superman because, again, if there's even a 1% chance it'll take us out, we have to take it as an absolute because that's how percentages work. And so he basically goes to LexCorp, uh, basically destroys the shit out of LexCorp, which we don't see for some reason. Yeah, it happens he, completely off screen. They decide to uh, tease a fight scene that we'll never get to see of him stealing Kryptonite. And then he we have a wonderful... Uh, Ben Affleck is a beefcake muscle montage where he beats up on a tire and, like, you know, gets super oh, yeah. strong. He does CrossFit. He does CrossFit. Uh, he screams really loud. He's naked in the shower once because I guess we need to see that. And then he makes uh, he makes kryptonite gas, and he makes a kryptonite spear. Yep. And uh, if you're wondering, like, yeah, because most people go, like, Batman v Superman, like, how are they supposed to fight Superman? It would just kill him. And it's like, that is true. Um, but... Just like they do in Dark Knight Returns, because we can't, you know, Snyder can't get enough because no (laughs) one's ever done Dark Knight Returns before. Uh, The way that it happens in the comic is they use different versions of Kryptonite in some way, shape, or form, like he does in this film to weaken him. Right. And then, in just the silliest way possible, it just becomes a slug brawl in an abandoned building. Yeah. Where it's just like. And it's weird, too, because it's like in the film. Superman is basically told by Lex like if you don't kill Superman, if you don't kill Batman, I'm going to kill your mom. And so he's scared shitless. He doesn't want his mom to die, but he goes to Batman and the most Superman thing I think he's one of the only yeah, Superman things like he's ever done. For yeah, he's like help basically. He's like Bruce, which they've never talked about that they knew each other's secret <laughs> identities. He goes, "Bruce, listen, I need your help. They have my mom." And Bruce goes basically like, "Screw you." And then just starts just going at yeah. him. And then, like, you know, then after that, like, after twice that it's he tries. childish. Yeah. And then after two times that he tries, even though Superman could literally take the entire fight just to say, please stop doing this. And he <laughs> would still be fine. He just decides to go, all right, I'll fight too. And then it's just, like, cleaning house. And does, it's like, okay, now that you're kind of, like, throwing him on the ground, if you just th- push your hand on his chest on the ground, he can't move.
1: Yeah. Like, there's... why don't
0: you just do that and talk to him? No, he just decides to be in a slug brawl. too. <laughs> Batman shoots gas at him, and then it's just like it's like watching two gorillas fight in an abandoned building. Yeah, and there's a funny moment where there's a there's a, a sink in a bathroom gets thrown over Superman's head like it's a wrestling match. Yep. There's Andy's favorite scene in the film where Batman ties Superman's leg to, like, a rope and then starts to No, he grapples. He uses yeah. grapple gun on him. He grapple guns him, and then there's this whole line about, like, his parents' death taught him that, like, you know, life is meaningless <laughs> and, like, all this shit. All this dark, edgy shit you expect from yeah. Batman. Grapples his leg and then he does, a, three, him around does a, a 360 spin. And then, like, you know, the last second he pulls out the spear. He's going to kill Superman. Yeah. Like kids, you know, fun film for kids. They're gonna kill Superman. And then Superman
1: wasn't much fun anyway,
0: was he, kids? No. (laughs) And then the scene that really is the I is the cherry on top of this stupid movie is what makes them become friends. Because again, you you go into this film and even They gotta team up. Yeah. It's called
1: Donna Justice.
0: Yeah. I mean, even even if you know nothing about Batman and Superman by their designs, and by just legacy alone, you can go, well, these guys aren't enemies. They're friends. Yeah. they got to find some way to get them together. And the way they do that... I'm going to let Andy explain this. <laughs> because he loves talking about this. Well,
1: it's it's been broken down a thousand times by a thousand mm-hmm. other people. And, it, you know, it's it's uh, they decide to take a fun little bit of comic book nerd fun factoid trivia that Batman and Superman have mothers with the same name and decide to make that the the crux of Batman's dilemma and the turning point for his entire ideology about Superman. Batman's ready to kill Superman. Superman screams out, don't let him kill Martha. And Batman's like, immediately triggered because his mom's name is Martha and she died and he's like, whoa, what? What do you mean don't let him kill Martha? Why'd you say that name? And we're all like, yeah, Superman, why did you say your mom's first name out of nowhere? <laughs> yeah. And then and then Lois Lane shows up and screams at Batman, it's his mother's name and then Batman realizes that Superman 2 has a mother and he's therefore a good guy. And that's, that's and then, how
0: they team up. And then Batman's just best friends.
1: Oh yeah, he's yeah. immediately he's he's not just like, oh okay, I get this guy now. It's I am this guy's biggest fan.
0: It's it's, it's like it's I like, am his best friend. It's like Batman looks at both Superman Lois and it's and like <laughs> I'll be your best man. Yeah, it's yeah, like what you just they're like, you, can we have a minute? You were five <laughs> seconds away from stabbing him, and now you're best friends. It's even funnier that like after the best action scene in the entire film, which is a Batman fight scene, which. Don't watch this movie. Just watch the YouTube fight scene. Just like a you know Donna, you know Batman v Superman Batman fight scene. It's everyone's favorite scene because it's like it out of context. It is just fun. In context, it's a, it's fun in a dumb movie, and and after this whole fight scene where Batman is still killing people he doesn't stop killing people yeah yeah.
1: superman does not inspire batman to become a better person it just
0: inspires him to kill people for superman yeah (laughs) yeah yeah he he saves soup he saves ma kent and says martha saves martha and he goes and he goes don't worry i'm a friend of your sons and it's like if you would have told me that like oh joss whedon came in for some punch-ups and that's a (laughs) whedon line you would have you could have fooled me yeah. because that line feels like it does not fit at all in this film, but it's entirely meant to be straightforward, yeah. like, cheeky. In a film that's not straightforward and cheeky. It is. This is a film where the first time Batman and Superman run into each other in costume, Batman Superman stops Batman from stopping gangsters from taking <laughs> kryptonite, and he basically tells Batman, the next time you see the bat signal, don't go to it. I will kill you and then just like leaves and it's like hooray who yeah. What? <laughs> what is going on like the Martha thing is the funniest fucking twist it's in yeah, any big blockbuster superhero film yeah there's nothing dumber as a twist in terms of building relationships like that yeah I mean, it's,
1: and it's funny because people point to that moment as kind of like the single—I I wouldn't say the single thing that ruins it. A lot of people hate this movie, but like, I think it's that that scene, as dumb as it is, is more just the the coming to a head of all the terrible, terrible theming and plot logic of the movie mm-hmm. up to that point. Yeah, it's like, okay, how do we turn this tide? Because we have put these guys so far against each other that there's mm-hmm. no way they can come back. How how do we get that to change? Their moms have the same
0: name. You mean to tell me that if Superman's name was Superman's mom's name was Laura, he would still kill Superman? (laughs) Like it's literally only it's like it is the dumbest reasoning. Yeah, it's the silliest shit, and it's this is the type of film where I do agree with Andy. It is I don't think this is a film where one scene breaks. The entire movie. The whole thing's broken. That's just the scene that makes it. This is the type of film where if you have a wall to keep away the shit in films, the Martha scene is what breaks down the wall. It's the it's the final thing that like it breaks it down and then you have to just admit that there is not a single scene in this film that isn't flawed or just weirdly tone deaf in places or is even problematic at times. This whole movie is just deaf
1: yeah it's just it's so deaf to itself deaf it's, to itself it's, and it's, it's it's uh it's snyder doesn't snyder as a director in this film it seems like he can't exist beyond the moment he's creating right now
0: it's just so weird it's just so bizarre and it's, yeah.
1: it's like oh i want
0: to do this yeah. scene and
1: say this line because it's a cool scene and a cool line or oh i want to have superman do this thing because it looks mm-hmm. cool but i'm not going to think about what that means for the next scene until i get there and even when I yeah. get there, I'm not going to think about what just happened in the last scene.
0: Yeah, I'm going to retract "deaf" because that's not a, a better term to describe it. It's not deaf; It is out of touch. Yeah. Everything about this film feels out of touch. <laughs> and it feels like a lot of people who, su- who support this, it makes sense. This is doing something that the MCU is not doing. For good reason. But at the same time as like these films are just vastly different than other superhero films on the market. They're doing DC stuff, which you know, this is like the only DC shit you could get at the time. Yeah. So they're going to take it. They're going to enjoy it. But at the same time, if you just dig even like a few inches into the ground of this of this like grave of a film, you're going to find so much rot. So much, just gross. Just like this shit, just doesn't eat. This movie is five years old. It hasn't gotten any better. <laughs> it hasn't gotten any better. It's not fun to watch. It is. It is so bad and good. It's so bad. It's good in places, but it's a, still yeah, a three-hour film. that's not worth that. I
1: definitely thought I would get more out of it from a so bad it's good standpoint on this rewatch because mm-hmm. before watching it now, I hadn't watched it since it came out in theaters and. Yeah, I mean there it's certainly I think more interesting than maybe, you know, the theatrical cut of Justice League um to pick apart on a rewatch, but it's it's not a it's not a fun bad movie. It's a frustrating, boring, yeah. dour bad movie. I would I was going to say it's a depressing bad movie, but really the emotion doesn't land hard enough for it to ever be depressing.
0: <laughs> I want this movie to be good. Every time I watch the film, I hope I can find something new in it that I enjoy. <laughs> And every time I've seen it, you find it's, less. I, I go like, oh, I guess I understand why you needed this scene in the extended edition. But, like, there are other issues that should be addressed. Like, there's a, there's a moment in the original cut where when the bombing happens at, at the Capitol building, people are like, what is Superman involved in the bombing? One of the dumbest ideas to ever be thrown out oh, in a yeah. movie like this. But it's like, in the in the original cut... They don't explain how Superman doesn't know a bomb is happening. In the Ultimate Edition, they established that the chair that Scoot McNary, great actor, in a horrible role, <laughs> given very little to do, his chair was lined with lead. That is something that Superman cannot see through with his X-ray vision. Therefore, he could not see the bomb. Therefore, Lois knows that you know Superman being pouty and whining about letting all those people die... Is invalid. He did everything he could. He couldn't have seen that thing coming because Lex made sure that he couldn't see it coming. Yeah. But then you go, okay, I guess that explains that. But why does Lex know that? <laughs> How does Lex know that he has x ray vision? What is. Yeah. And then again, it just, everything it tries to explain or dive deeper into, it either just doesn't do enough to really save anything from the original cut or just adds more questions than answers. Yeah. And that's why with this film, I mean, Man of Steel is flawed. Man of Steel is also a film that I don't feel like I'm not going to watch again in the next couple of years. Yeah. Maybe if I have a friend who is curious, if my girlfriend is like, you know, for some reason I really just want to watch Man of Steel, I will sit down with her and I will watch it. And I will talk through with her other the things I don't like about it. But with Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice, either cut of the film is not worth watching. No. Even, not in an ironic way, in an unironic way, these films are just, this film is just not good. Yeah, Either cut is not good, and there is better use of your time. Even though I don't love Aquaman, even though I don't love Shazam, even (laughs) though I don't think Wonder Woman, I think Wonder Woman 84 is a mess of a film, I think all three of those films are definitely worth your time more than this fucking film is. And that's why I'm so glad that we're done. Yeah. We're done with those two films. And, and tune. we can move on we can. to Zack Snyder's magnum opus. That's right. Next week is an entire episode. An entire episode talking about the four-hour epic that is HBO Max's Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> so tune in on March 20th. We'll be talking about... We'll be talking about the Whedon cut a little bit in the same kind of vein as talking about this. Just in the context of
1: what the differences are and that sort of thing.
0: But we are going to finally talk about the whole reason we're doing this trilogy, the Snyder cut. So until then, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening.